Even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained there for another two more days. And finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come on, let's make our way to Bethany. Uh, can we pray? Father, I pray that you would speak to your church today. Uh, I pray that these wouldn't be words that come from Port Wise, but I would be a mouthpiece of heaven. I pray that you would, you would encourage someone that there is a way, and you are the way. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to preach from this thought, if I can, this morning, Waymaker. Waymaker. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself completely lost and without a way? Uh, this happens sometimes. It's harder to get lost in today's generation. I had my, um, my father-in-law just last night come over to our house, and he was on his way to a party, but he left his phone at home, so he didn't have his navigation system. And uh, John, Alicia's dad, was lost, and he needed some directions on how to get to this party. He said, just give me a few streets. Let me, let me know where I've got to turn left and right, and I'll find my way there. I'll follow my nose, you know. For those mature saints that are here, you know you have the gift of being able to follow your nose. Um, the young people don't know what, that, what we're talking about when we say that, but, but the older people, you could take them somewhere six months ago and they would follow their nose and be able to get themselves back there because they paid attention, right? You paid attention to the street names. You paid attention to the landmarks around the way. And you could go, mm, yep, go left here. I think it's, there it is over there. That's the one. Because you could follow your nose. Today's day and age, we can't follow our nose because we have a little GPS system that tells us every step, turn left here. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. <laughs> this was our GPS on the way here this morning. Make a U-turn. <laughs> but, um, you know, we've got something that's telling us how to get places all the time. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in Malaysia on a ministry trip over there. And I went to Malaysia, and for those who know me, know that I've got ADHD, like legit ADHD. I get distracted super easy. And uh, I'm in Malaysia, and we've gone to this hotel that I'm staying at. And uh, as I've walked into the hotel, I'm stimulated by everything that's happening around, right? I found out that in this hotel was a, uh, was a, uh, a shopping center. The shopping center was inside of a hotel. So, of course, I was excited to go shopping. I went into the hotel, quickly put my bags down, and, uh, and went back out into the shopping centre. I wanted to go exploring. So I went walking around in the shopping centre, and uh, I was spending hours just looking at stuff. This shopping centre was incredible. It was humongous, right? There were escalators. I was going up and down escalators. It was 10 storeys high, this shopping centre. There was, there was a shopping paradise. I'm so glad my wife wasn't with me. I would have been broke. But we, I'm going up and down these escalators and going all around the place just exploring. I found out that the expensive shops are at the bottom. And the higher you go, gets the cheaper and cheaper shops. By the time you get to the 10th floor, there's like markets up there. And you can get real good deals, like genuine Rolex watches for $25. Hey, bro, you know what I'm talking about, eh? You'll be flashing it. But those watches weren't genuine. They told me they were. <laughs> top of this shopping center, they were, they were like massage things where you can go in for a massage for an hour for like 10 Australian dollars. That's amazing. I, I never pay for a massage here in Australia. Who's paying $70 for a massage? Nobody, <laughs> except for my wife. But, but you, 
go to Asia, you go to Malaysia, you get a massage for like ten dollars. It was amazing. I got a massage, and at the top of the shopping center, there was a roller coaster. At the top of a shopping center, I had a couple of goes on the roller coaster, and then I decided it's time for me to head back, head back home to my hotel room. I started walking to my hotel room only to realize that I was so distracted on the way in that I didn't know how to get back to the hotel. I didn't know what floor I came in on. I was just going up and down, and I started to ask people, "Hey, how do I get back to the hotel?" People were giving me all sorts of different instructions and directions. Go here, go there. I only just found out that I was more and more lost every time. They didn't know where I came from. They were just trying to send me back somewhere where they thought I came from. Eventually, I found a concierge person, and they said, "Oh, Mr. Glass, your hotel must be across the road." I thought, across the road? I don't remember crossing a road. But then again, I've got ADHD, and sometimes I get distracted when I'm doing things, and it can be dangerous. But I thought, I don't think I came across a road when I came into the shopping center. I went looking further, and then eventually I found someone else, and they said, Mr. Glass, is it the upper class shopping center, or is it the lower class shopping center, the upper class hotel, or the lower class hotel? I said, I think it's the lower class hotel, the cheaper one. And they said, "Oh, Mr. Glass, that's over the other side of the shopping center." So I walked over the other side of the shopping center, and eventually I found my hotel. And isn't that just like life? That sometimes, just in living, we become distracted and lose our way. We ask ourselves, "How did I get here?" In our walk with God, you know, when you first started walking with Jesus, you were so inspired, you were so passionate, you were so filled with vision. But then life happens sometimes, and life goes by, and then you wonder, how did I get here? How did I lose my passion? How did I lose my burden? What happened? How did I get here? In your marriage, when you first get married, for those who aren't married, when you first get married, it's so exciting, and you have this vision for what your marriage will be like and what your home will be like. And then sometimes, year after year, goes by, and you wonder, how did we get here? In our marriage, in your call, in your walk with God, but sometimes after living for God for some time, you wonder how did I get here, and you start to question yourself. Maybe, maybe I lost my way, and maybe I have to do something else to be the solution to make up for what I've lost along the way. The danger is that we would trust ourselves to be the solution rather than trusting God, who is the solution. I've got a friend who was a pilot.、Uh, for those who know about flying planes, I know very little about flying planes. But for those who know about flying planes, it's very expensive to get your pilot's license. In fact, you have to keep up your hours, and you have to fly a certain amount of hours in every calendar month or whatever it is in order to keep your license.、Um, my friend Thomas used to fly a plane from Adelaide to Alice Springs every weekend. Uh, he would fly up this this little Cessna plane up to Alice Springs, and in order to keep up his hours, and one day he was flying from、uh, from Adelaide to Alice Springs, and he had some engine trouble, and the plane had to be landed. So he landed in the middle of the Nullarbor Desert.、Uh, scary thing, right? My mate, my mate Thomas, he's a real smart guy. He's a radiation physicist. I can't spell either of those words. He's a smart guy. He lands his plane in the desert, right? Because it's had an engine problem, and and he starts to sit there and wait for help to come. 
Uh, what he didn't realize, though, was that, that the creator of the plane had put a little chip in the plane and knew where the plane was at all times. But in his stress and worry and panic, he started to think, maybe I need to start walking to the next town. He knew where the town was, he had a little compass, and he knew how far he was from it, he knew how much water he had, and he started to do these calculations in his head. If I sit here any longer and nobody comes, then maybe I'll run out of water. But if I start walking now, I might make it to the town. So Thomas, really smart guy, did a really dumb thing. Hopped out of the plane and started walking to where he thought the town was. Well, he didn't realise that help was on its way. Uh, did you know that no matter how lost you get sometimes in life, the Creator always knows where you are? And sometimes we try to be the solution as Thomas did, and try and be the solution and make a way. But you don't have to try and be the solution today. You don't have to try and make a way today. Jesus made a way. In fact, the Bible says that He is the way, that He is the truth, and He is the life. Jesus is the way. Hit your neighbor and say, he's the way. He's the way. He's the way. In John chapter 11, we read a story of the man Lazarus, who Jesus loves. Now take note of that. It says, Lazarus, who Jesus loves. It doesn't say, who loves Jesus. It says, who Jesus loves. Now Jesus was with his disciples by the river Jordan and he's resting. And uh, he's, he's, when word comes to Jesus and the disciples that, that Lazarus was sick and Mary and Martha were calling for Lazarus to come, uh, so calling for Jesus, sorry, to come and uh, heal Lazarus, Jesus says these words, don't worry, this won't end in death. In the old rendering in the King James Version, I don't know if we've got the King James Version there, it says, it says this sickness is not unto death. But in the new translation for the, for the younger people, this won't end in death. And then he did something that was really strange. He stayed there for another two days. Uh, this, this is where the old people in church, the more mature saints, sorry, in church used to say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. See, our timing ain't always God's timing. That our plans aren't always God's plans. And our ways aren't always God's ways. That what you're going through right now, it may not make sense. The plan, the way, the timing may not make sense. But God is in control and He is the way. Have you ever been through a season like this where you've wondered, maybe God has lost His way? I've been in church a little while and uh, I, I can tell you, I've been through some seasons where I think, mate, God, maybe you've just lost your way. I don't know those single people in church that have been praying for a spouse for some time, and you're wondering, maybe God has lost his way. <laughs> uh, that business that you've got, and uh, people have been prophesying, I mean, prophesying over you for the last <laughs> you know, 10 years, saying, God's going to turn it around. <laughs> He's going to say, real convincing. God's going to turn it around. Doing those ones, and it sounds real convincing. But since 2009, it's gone backward and backward and backward. And you think, wow, man, maybe God has just lost his way. Let me tell you today that he hasn't lost his way. 
He is the way. And the way may look different to their way, and the way may look different to my way, but it's not my way and it's not their way. Jesus is the way. He's the way. Amen. Jesus is sitting with his disciples by the River Jordan, and they're talking about Lazarus and the illness that Lazarus has. And Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death will bring glory and praise to God. So they wait there for another two days and then one of the disciples conjures up enough uh, confidence to say, hey, Jesus, uh, are we going to go to Bethany? Uh, Are we going to go and take care of Lazarus? And Jesus turns around and says this. He says that Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. Wait a second. In verse 4, you said... This sickness won't end in death. In verse 14, you're saying Lazarus is dead. Here's the thing. If you're new to Christ today, we maybe didn't tell you this when you first walked into church. But here's the truth. In this life, you will have trouble. But don't fear and don't worry because he's overcome the trouble. Uh, The psalmist or or Coolio said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, brothers. You know, sometimes we go through seasons that feel like death. Sometimes we go through seasons where we'll even experience death. But you've got a word from heaven that you can hang on to. It won't end there. It won't end there. I don't know what you're going through today, but it won't end there. That breakup, felt like death, but it won't end there. That business going under felt like death, but thank God it won't end there. Those teenage years, parents, they feel like death sometimes, but it won't end there. (laughs) University exams feel like death, but it won't end there. That time I got locked up and had to spend the night in the watch house. That didn't happen to me, but I'm just trying to relate to some people here that may have. It felt like death, but it won't end there. That season, that trial, that problem that you're going through may feel like death, but God's in control. He will make a way. And in one hand there, in one hand there, hit your neighbor and say, he's going to make a way. He's going to make a way. The Bible continues in the story, and Jesus and his disciples uh, make their way to Bethany. Martha comes out to meet Jesus and she says, if only you had have come sooner, then my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know that he'll rise and live in the resurrection day. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, uh, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. Uh, You've got to understand what he's saying there. We can't just brush past that statement. I am the resurrection. The last time they were in Bethany, people tried to kill them, harass them, and run them out of town because Jesus made a claim that he was the Messiah. He wasn't just a Bible teacher. He wasn't just a rabbi. When he made that statement, I am the resurrection, he was saying the same thing that the God of the Old Testament said. When he said, when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And he said, tell them, I am that I am has sent you. The I am of the Old Testament. Jesus made a claim that he was God manifest in flesh. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just a teacher. He was God 
in flesh. Yet I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, and, and what he was saying was, I am everything that you need. I am food Amen. for the hungry. I am, uh, I am water for the thirsty. I'm hope for the hopeless. I'm help for the helpless. I'm light in your darkness. And Martha, I am, I am the resurrection to your decomposition. I am life to your death. And I am a way even when there seems like there is no way. He is a way maker. He's a way maker. Jesus said this, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will forever, will forever, uh, will live forever. And the only one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe? Do you believe? And if you're taking notes, I'm at point number two. Uh, point number one, Jesus is the way. Amen. Point number two, believe that he can make a way. Do you believe? Do you believe that he can make a way? The Bible says that all things are possible to them that believe. Belief is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. There's a story that I, I read about a young boy who went to a circus with his dad. Uh, this young boy and his dad go to this circus and he saw the lions in the cages that were at this circus. And the lions would roar, but the cage could contain the power of that lion. He went and saw the monkeys that were swinging from rope to rope, and they were also in a cage. And that cage contained all of that enthusiasm and power and, and fun and life that those monkeys had. And then they came across another animal. It was an elephant. And this elephant was outside of the cage. The elephant just had a rope around, not even tied up. It was just lying on the ground, circling around the elephant. And then there was a small rope that was tied to the elephant's foot, tied to a stake put in the ground. The little boy, just a young kid, looked at his dad and said, Dad, they put a lion in the cage, they put the monkeys in the cage, but the most powerful animal of them all, they've just got a little rope around its leg tied to a stake stuck in the ground. And the dad, he said, Dad, how come? How come that elephant, it's big enough, it's strong enough, why doesn't it just walk away? And the dad explained to the, to the little boy that, hey, when that elephant was just a small little elephant, they did exactly that. They took a rope and they tied it around its leg. They, they tied it to a stake and put the stake in the ground. And just when that elephant was just a few days old, it tried to move away from that stake and it realized that something had it bound and something was holding it tight and it couldn't break free from it. A little while later, the elephant would grow a little more. They put a rope around its leg, tied it to the stake, put the stake in the ground. It tried to move that, and still it couldn't move it. Now it's a big, full-grown elephant, and it thinks, it believes that that stake still holds it. How many know that, that that thing that was spoken over you as a child, that traumatic experience that you went through, that, that heartbreak, that disappointment that you went through, had had you bound for so many years, but it has no power over you anymore. You've got to change the way that you believe. The devil has no power over you. That God has made a way for you to experience freedom, to experience life at its fullest. That thing that had you bound no longer has the power to hold you bound. You've just got to believe. Do Amen. you believe? Do you believe that he can make a way? 
the story continues and, and, and John chapter 11, now they're faced there, in, uh, faced there with the tomb. Uh, Jesus is there with Mary and Martha and his disciples and there is a tomb that contains Lazarus. Jesus says to Martha, he says, Martha, roll that, tomb, roll that stone away. The dead man's sister protested, it says in the Bible. She says, Lord, he has been dead for four days and smells terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? Here's point number three. Trust God and he will make a way. Trust God. He will make a way. I've got my daughter here this morning and you know, I'm, I'm lucky that my kids are still of an age where they think that I'm Superman. Oh, you don't. Wow. Wow. When did that change? Jeez. Last time you were coming to preach with me. So. My kids still trust me that I'll provide food for them. They trust that I'll work hard and get the power, the electricity turned on. They trust me for things that they don't know anything about but they trust me that every night I'll protect them. That if anyone came in the house, that I would jump up and fight for their defense. The thing is that it would be far more scarier to wake up my wife and face her if you were breaking into my house. Because if you wake her up when they sleep, oh my goodness, you're in trouble. It's, uh, but they trust me. They trust me to be the dad, the protector, the provider for the house. They, they trust me with that. But it's funny the things that they struggle to trust me with. The other night, she uh, a little while ago now, she calls me into a room and we go through our night routine, right? And uh, she calls me into the room and I went into the room and, and Ella said, Dad, I've got to tell you something, but you've got to promise you won't do anything about it. I said, okay, but what is it? She said, Dad, you've got pinky sweat. Pinky swearing is like serious business in little girl language, all right? She said, you got a pinky swear. I said, all right, a pinky swear. Give it a little shake to lock it in. She said, Dad, you can't shake it unless you break it. So I had to change hands and lock it in with the other hand because apparently you're not allowed to shake when you pinky swear. And she says to me, she says, she says Dad, uh, I've got a splinter. I said, what? I've got a splinter, a little piece of wood stuck in your finger. She says, yes. I said, don't worry about it. I'll get the pin and I'll get the tweezers and we'll get it out. She said, no, Dad. That's what I asked you not to do. You promised you wouldn't do anything about it. But isn't that like us? Sometimes it's so easy to trust God with the comfortable, but it's difficult to trust God with the uncomfortable, even though it's for our benefit. Have you ever been through a season where it's a season of discomfort, but God's given you a promise that it won't end in death? that you'll be able to travel through this season, whatever it is that you're going through. And God's going to use it to your benefit. You can trust God with the uncomfortable. And sometimes it's difficult to trust God in those seasons. Martha is in a season of discomfort. She, she didn't respond the way... Uh, Jesus didn't respond the way that she thought that he should have responded when he was back at the River Jordan, when she said, come and pray for him, Lazarus is still sick. Jesus didn't respond the way that she thought he should have. She's in a trust crisis now. She believes that he can, but she doesn't know if he will. She's in a trust crisis. See, it's easier to trust God 
with the doable. It's easier to trust God when there's still hope. It's easy to trust God when there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's easy to trust God when you still have life. But it's hard, it's hard when you've got to roll back the stone on dreams that are long buried. It's hard when you've got to roll back the stone on things that you've, you've given up hope with. It's hard when you've got to roll back the stone on that calling that you walked away from all those years ago. It's hard when you've got to roll back the stone on some of these things. Jesus is saying, you can trust me because I am a waymaker. The path may not make sense. The season may not make sense. The, the way may not make sense, but you can trust me because I am a way maker. And whatever it is that you're going through, this way may not make sense to many people, but God, if he's ordained your steps, it's a way that he's planned before you. You can trust God with the way. Did the band want to come up? In 2017, I felt what it was like to have one of these Martha moments. Martha gets a bit of a bad rap, I reckon, in the Bible. But I think she, she kind of argues for the logical side. Mary, she's the emotional one. Martha is the logical one. And Martha, she's having this faith crisis in 2017. Uh, not long after I spoke here the last time, I too went through a faith crisis. I, I didn't lose my faith. I've always believed in God. I've, always, I've seen God do far too many things. He's done far too many things in my life for me to ever not believe, but, but to trust Him with the journey when you're faced with a tombstone is actually a really difficult thing. In 2017, my dad was at the end of a, of a long illness of 11 years. 11 years prior, he was diagnosed with a disease called supranuclear palsy. Uh, it's a degenerative disease, but when he was first diagnosed with this disease, I had faith. I believed that God was going to do a miracle. It was easier to believe when there was still hope. It was easier to believe when there was still life. I had so much faith, they used to tell people, my dad isn't sick, he's healed. You can ask my wife, I used to say to dad, you're not sick, you're healed. Yet, what I saw before my eyes was my dad deteriorate year after year, to a point where in 2017, he was in a vegetative state at Pindara Hospital on the Gold Coast. My uncle, one of the ones who my dad had prayed for his whole life, had come to visit Uncle Kimbo. And you know, I had seen, I'd been a part of the journey. I knew how much my dad loved my, his brothers. Only one of his brothers is living for Jesus, but all of his other brothers were far from God. In fact, they'd never been to church before in their lives. And Uncle Kimbo, his closest brother, was lost and far from God, but he came to visit my dad. And my dad is there, he's unconscious, lying on a bed, and Kimbo calls me outside. He said, Paul, you come outside, have a chat with me. I went outside and he said, Paul, that should be me lying on the bed. I'm the one who's been drinking and smoking and joking for all these years. Like he's been a good man for the last 30 years. Why isn't it me? And he asked me this question that 
that challenged me, and I didn't know how to answer it. He said, where's his, where's his God? Ah, when you're faced with the tombstone, I was in the middle of a trust crisis. I mean, I could give all the Christian responses, but I didn't know why God took me down this path. I didn't know why God took us down this way. He could have chosen another way. But why, God, did you choose this way? I said to Kimbo, I gave him the Christian response. I said, Kimbo, we'll, we'll answer all these questions one day when we get to heaven. And it will all make sense. And he said, oh, you believe what you want to believe, Paul. I walked away and I was, man, I was, to be honest, if you're right, can I full disclosure? I was a little bit mad with God. I was like, God, this is the perfect opportunity to do a miracle so my dad's brothers would come to know who you are. It's all good. I know who you are. I believe in you, but why didn't you do this? Why didn't didn't you heal my dad? Now Kimbo is in a worse position. It was a faith crisis. A couple of days later, I'd be doing my very first funeral, my dad's funeral. And as we stood there, we shared stories about the man Eyeglass. We talked about how when he was a young man, he was far from God, he was a wild kid. And in, in his teenage years and into his 20s, he would, he would drink a lot and he would get into fights, he was violent, he was, he was a horrible man, he would, he would take drugs and one person even said he ate the magic mushrooms. The Christian people at the funeral were shocked. And Pastor Glass did what? This was before Christ. But uh, we talked, they shared these stories, and, and in the, from 28, my dad was saved and had this dramatic turnaround in his life. Never tried, touched a, another drink again because he was an alcoholic. Never, never, you know, he turned away from all of that lifestyle and lived full on 100% for Jesus. And then the Christian people would get up and they would share about Pastor Glass, the Pastor Glass that they knew, the good man, the honorable man. I left that funeral and, and I still had a trust crisis. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why this way? Why this path? A few months later, I got a text message from my cousin. Her name's Kimberly. Uncle Kimbo has a daughter called Kimberly. We're really creative in the Glass family when it comes to the name of Kimberly. Kimberly sends me a text message. This is what the text message says. Said, Paul, I'm tired of trying to live like this. At the funeral, you talked about how Uncle Ike was a drunk, and Uncle Ike was on drugs, and Uncle Ike was hopeless. But then he found his way out of that mess. She said, I need to work on myself. I've got to find a way out of this mess, just like Uncle Ike did. Maybe I have to get religion too. That's what she said. I said, Kimberly, it wasn't a mess that Uncle Ike found himself out of. They found a way out of. The way he found his way to Uncle Ike. It wasn't, it wasn't the way that Uncle Ike found. The way he found Uncle Ike. It wasn't, it wasn't just this religion that Uncle Ike had. He had a relationship with Jesus. And all you have to do is call out to Jesus today, wherever you are. 
No matter how far you are from God, you just have to call out to Jesus. I said, Kimberly, all you've got to do is call out to Jesus. He'll get you out of that mess. You don't have to get good to get God. You just get God and He gets you good. Is that, is that anyone else's witness in here today? All of a sudden, the funeral started to make sense. Why? You let us go down that path for Kimberly's sake? For Kimberly's sake? Wow. God, it's worth it. My dad's prayers are answered if she meets Jesus. My dad's prayers are answered if his family comes to know Jesus. And it's worth every part, every step of the way. Would you stand with me? Here it is. He's a way maker. Point four. His people are declared that he is the way. Jesus stood before the tomb. And he declared with authority. Lazarus, come alive. You know, you have the same creative powers in your declaration. That you can create words, create worlds. I wonder what your declaration is today. Is your word that my life is just a mess? I'm just useless. I'm no good at this. My, my calling is dead and buried. My, my, my marriage is over. Or is your declaration that my marriage will live again, come alive? My calling will live again and come alive. Is that your declaration? I want to declare over everyone that's here that you're not too old, sir. Come alive. You've still got life left in you. You've still got ministry power in you. That people will come to know Jesus because of the words that you declared over their life. Come alive. For that person who's feeling like giving up, I want to declare and prophesy over you today. Come alive. It's not over. For the gentleman standing over there, wherever you're at, wherever, whatever university or school friends or groups that you're at, you can declare to your friends today, come alive. And we can see schools one for Jesus. We can see Kumaroo one for Jesus. We can see people that were lost and far from God one for Jesus. Because he is, he is the way. He's the way. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Jesus.